overall, every story should have a point. Every point should have a story. And again, I'm not talking about long narratives. It's just really thinking what's key and really eliminating all the other fluff and figure out what is it exactly the purpose of this piece of communication. And even on videos, I draft out something in writing first just to figure out what are the key points that I want to share. Because oftentimes you want to share too much and not exactly what the audience is looking for. This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. To get more buy-in for your ideas, solutions, charitable causes, products or services, it's about saying the right things and saying it consistently. Yet what comes easy in face-to-face -face conversations oftentimes becomes tricky when we move towards online communications where we can't see or feed off our audience. And that's why I'm so excited about today's guest on Getting to Yes, Marissa Cedric, an award-winning branding and copywriting expert. And Marissa and I recently met at an event where we compared notes on why so many entrepreneurs struggle to turn their knowledge into online revenue. We also talked about how to get your message out in a world when you are a shy introvert and ultimately, you know, what goes into empathetic marketing. So Marissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Uli. I'm so excited to be here and I am just excited to share some insights and tips to help your audience be able to be more engaging and ultimately yeah, serve Yeah, I heard you say well. at some point you help people to be more visible online and beyond ever more competition online, what's preventing most people from capturing the attention of their target audience? Why are they invisible or what's behind that? I've thought about this and of course I love technology. I'm kind of a geek when it comes to technology. So I've seen it just evolve for the past like 30 years. And I think in the world of automations and bots and tools, we've lost something. We've lost that human to human connection. And I think people that are mm -hmm. seeing the writing on the wall, so to speak, are realizing that they have to go back to some of the things we used to do, like even note cards and thank you cards, sending them in the mail, where people think snail mail is old fashioned, old way of doing things. I think people are really wanting that human to human connection, especially after all the things that we've gone through as a culture and in the world. I think that's really important because our business is really an extension of who we are, regardless of what it is, whether it's relationship, whether it's health, whether it's wealth, we're sharing our knowledge, the heart knowledge that we have, we have a passion to help people and it's really an extension of who we are. And so I think when we begin to connect human to human and use empathy and use things like narrative writing, we're able to bridge that gap and once again, connect with our audiences. Yeah, you are obviously a technologist and I feel the same way as a marketing technologist. Our audience always thinks that we love technology. We love to automate everything. And at the end of the day, it's that one-on-one -on -one connection that the person feels seen, feel, feels heard. That's making the biggest difference in whether or not they move forward, whether they follow our ideas, our leadership, etc. And so just like you, I very much believe that it's probably the union of both having marketing automations in the early stages of a prospect journey, but 
you know, at some point or another, you have to introduce that human element and really start building that connection. So you mentioned, you know, the importance of storytelling and, you know, obviously empathy in marketing. Let's unpack this a little bit more and the framework that you take your clients to when you work with them. Yeah, absolutely. This is something that as I reflected back my journey when I decided I wanted to write some years back, I started looking back at all the su successes that I had when I was publishing international articles when, and I was the type of person that really didn't even want to write. I didn't want people to read my writing because it was very emotionally connected. It was really my heart and soul in the writing. I was really trying to bring encouragement to people. Now, I have a ministry background and I know that storytelling was very, very important. Whenever we would have missionaries come in to speak to a group, we would say, don't just talk about the country and the devastation of the country. Bring it down to one family, a family that you've helped so that the audience can understand the day in the life of one family and then leave them with some kind of takeaway. So not only do they understand the needs of a certain country, but they're also going to walk away feeling like they walked away with some value. And that was early in my ministry days that I was realizing as I looked back at some of the successes. And, you know, in ministry, it's donation, right? <laughs> it's, you're looking for donations. And as I started writing, I had one gal give me some advice. She goes, when you write articles, if you want to get them published, you need to cut a vein and let it bleed. And so basically she was saying to me, really connect deep down and really understand what you're trying to share and go deep in it. Don't just stay superficially up on top, go deep. And I started publishing articles and I published an uh, international piece that ended up being an extension of what they served. It was such a hot topic that it ended up being something that they ended up opening another, another division for what they provided. And so as I was looking at that and I decided to continue my journey with writing, I thought I need to incorporate public speaking. And so I started joining a local chapter of Toastmasters and I went through the channels of learning how to do public speaking. And people kept telling me, you need to compete. You need to compete. I didn't want to compete. I just wanted to get over my fear of public speaking. So I ended up competing and I entered into an international speech competition that took six months. There were somewhere between 30,000 to 35,000 contestants from all over the world, different cultures, and I needed to come up with a seven-minute speech to figure out how to resonate with the audience. Now, you got to realize with different cultures, you got to find what is common, right? And you got to figure out what is it that we all have joy about? What is it that hurts? What is it that resonates to us? Again, human to human, right? And so I was able to craft this seven-minute speech that won at all these various levels, and I ended up speaking. I ended up being one of the district champions for our region, for our area, and I ended up speaking at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, and I was one of the top 100 speakers of the world. Now, it was a simple story, but it was a story that everyone could relate to, and it brought encouragement so it didn't matter if they were from India. It didn't matter if they were from mm -hmm. Canada. It didn't matter if they were from South Africa. They understood because it was human to human connection. Now, I realized this looking back. I said, what is it about stories 
that does this because every single success I've had, it had stories in it. And so when I became a copywriter, I was really honing in on the stories. How could I leverage this? And then I suddenly realized as I'm looking back, when I enjoy stories, it releases endorphins, right? That feel good. So when people read stories, they're engaged and we're used to stories, right? And so the stories are powerful as in, I'm sure you're familiar with breakthrough copywriting. There's a quote there that says that the people can't argue with an opinion or an assertion or even a claim, you know, or people can argue with an opinion, assertion, or claim, but it's pretty hard to argue with a story. And so I started incorporating that in my marketing and in my copywriting, and I realized it really made a big difference. The sad thing is that stories aren't utilized enough, and it doesn't have to necessarily be long. There was a quote from, I think, they say it could have been Hemingway, but it was like three short sentences that said, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. That told a story right there those three little phrases. So we're not talking about long narratives because then you're gonna lose the whole point of what you're trying to share with your audience. But the elements of story is very, very important in copy. So that, as I looked back, I realized that the power of story and the release of endorphins is something that's so appealing to many. And Absolutely. I just don't think that we use it enough. And it's one of the things that, yeah, one of the things we can use to eliminate objections. Yeah, stories are really the original sense-making device that you sit around a campfire and that's how information really got shared in in a format, as you said, that really engages people, all engages all their senses. Good storytellers, they make your mouth water. You can actually see it, you can feel it. And I think the reason why so many people don't go there is because it takes some effort to really figure out how to tell a good story and certainly public speaking is, is one of the key skills to learn how to communicate people, integrating stories, be engaging and mastering it when you maybe only have 30 seconds and not seven minutes like you had in, in your talk, that you have the ability to speak in sound bites, that you can string things together that put people right into the middle of the story. So I couldn't agree with you more. Reminds me in episode four, uh, we talked to filmmaker Ryan Coral, and he says storytelling in video marketing is so important because ultimately that's what keeps people engaged to watch a video and that's what helps you get your story out there. But you're right. The first part is really figuring out what's the story that I need to tell and what's the golden thread that I you know, have inside the story that makes your bigger point. Exactly. So do you want to talk a little bit more about the mechanics yeah. of how you help craft stories, you know, how do you refine an idea, isolate, what's the main point that I want to make? And then how do you assemble it and in the course overcome objections and like? Yeah. Overall, every story should have a point. Every point should have a story. And I, again, I'm not talking about long narratives. It's just really thinking what's key and really eliminating all the other fluff and figure out what is it exactly the purpose of this piece of communication. And even on videos, I draft out something in writing first just to figure out what are the key points that I wanna share. Because oftentimes you wanna share too much and not exactly what the audience 
is looking for. And so we want to make sure that we dial in, you know, what is the point? So every point has a story. Every story has a point. And then there's also two types of stories. There's a story that we tell ourselves, and there's a story that the audience has. Now, a lot of people talk about this, the story that we tell ourselves, but it's amazing with copy critiques, I can tell when someone is insecure because there's a lot of passive writing. There's not a lot of assertion in it. And it's usually something that has started in their mind. Or we all have our own biases. We all have our own personalities. And our personalities, if we were very analytical, that's great. But for some people that aren't analytical, it's going to go over their head. So we have to figure out who are we first as a writer? Are, Are we confident in what we're delivering, communicating about? Have we seen proven results on it? Can we talk about this confidently and convey that in our writing? So that's all about our own story and insecurities as well. Because I was a very insecure person, which is why I went through that journey of trying to publish articles and train with public speaking, all these other things I was doing. And then I realized that my writing changed. And so it got stronger because it was, it was weak at one point, and it got stronger with the confidence that I was building. And so- Can you pinpoint it to something specific that changed it? You know, was it that your mindset shifted or mentorship, something that helped you change your inner story that then changed the story on, on paper? I, I think just realizing that every piece of communication is ultimately going to serve someone. Mm-hmm. So how can we serve them well? And when I took myself out of the equation, because when we're insecure, we're focused on ourselves. And that's very toxic, right? It's like, I wanted to get out of that. And I thought, you know what? Regardless how this lands, regardless whether this is successful or not, my intent is to serve this person, is to help this person the best I can. So I'm going to, with boldness and with everything that I know that is true, is I'm going to communicate this to them. And so I took that approach and that's when I started seeing a lot of changes going on in my writing. And I was starting to enjoy it more as well. I was trying to enjoy the process as well. The stories that we tell ourselves are so powerful that can cripple us. Oh, yeah. Sometimes for decades, right? And we discover, imagine how powerful that story can be when we use it for good in our communication, in our marketing, in our copy. Because stories are powerful. And the fact that it had such a grip on me, the old stories I used to tell myself, and I was able to reframe my thinking little by little. I mean, literally, I had to catch every negative thought that happened, especially before the international speech competition. And I had bracelets. I know it sounds stupid, but I had these bracelets that there were like 12 bracelets that I had on my left arm. And all throughout that six months, whenever I had a negative thought, I would just stop for a second. I would reframe it and align it to truth because it's normally aligned to, you know, imagination or lies. And I would put that bracelet on my other arm and I would do that all day. I had a negative thought and I'd change that thought and I'd put that bracelet on the other arm. So I had a visual of being able to renew my thinking, renew my mind, reframe and remove all those toxic thoughts. So it was a process for me. And I don't think it needs to be a process for a lot of people, but I had to do that because I had a lot of fear. I mean, public speaking and international speech competition with so many contestants, especially there was a lot of people from Las Vegas that were professional speakers. It was intimidating, but I went with the purpose. If I can just encourage one person, that's fine with me. And so that's what helped me step on the stage and continue the process. So the other story is what is the audience thinking? Where are they today, right? 
Are they struggling? Look at what's the situation. Don't assume they're in the same place they were five years ago. A lot has happened, right, in history. A lot has happened globally. So where are they today? And so we want to meet them where they are today and not assume they're in that same place. And even when people market the same thing, you know, some of the things that I've been interested in, even a year ago, I'm no longer interested. I either found a solution for it or I've grown and I'm ready for something new. So I wouldn't want somebody to keep marketing me with the same thing that was maybe something that I was interested in a year ago. So we always have to put our finger on the pulse of the market today. And so it's important to know. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 so important to have that avatar research that you really know, you know, what keeps them up at night and what do they need help with so you can actually then identify what's the problem I am helping them with that they're willing to give me money for. And you know, you mentioned you know, you have a background in ministry whether it's donations or whether it's attention they're paying you one way or another and we have to figure out how to encourage that transaction. So when it comes specifically to objections, when we have these negative stories in our head, or again, as you, as a copywriter, put words on paper, put it out there into the ether, what are some of the tactical things that can really help entrepreneurs and people to to get more buy-in for their ideas? Um, how do you put everything together that now that you can't see people in person, that you don't have that personalized rapport, how can copy bridge the gap? You obviously mentioned stories, but let's go more tactical. Yes, absolutely. So when we think whether it's wealth, health, or relationships, people are ready for a change when they're either facing a challenge or they've made a personal choice or they've suffered some sort of consequence. So we have to really, once we know our market and where they are and we've gone deep with them, there's some tactical things that we can do. And one, one of the things that I know is because I do a lot of copy critiques is that less is more. Sometimes we get too long. We think if we just give them everything and talk about everything, it's too much. Again, what is the point of the piece of communication and stay, make that the plumb line and stay with that. So less is more. Remove anything that's filler. Every word needs to earn its right to be on that piece of communication, whether it's written, whether it's video, it needs to earn its right. Otherwise you fire it, you get rid of it, you delete it, you don't need it. And so you make sure that every word just carries its own weight and it flows. And that's what makes it just continue to flow and people want to stay engaged. When we get too mm -hmm. wordy, then people check out. So those are some of the things that you can do is use visceral words, show, don't tell. Whenever you can use visceral words and put people in a scene, so to speak, then they're going to be able to to engage with the piece of copy as well. The other thing that I, I wanted to share too in writing is that you can use, I'm sure you've heard of, of John Capel's famous piece of copy. They laughed when I sat at the piano, but when I started to play, and this is a famous piece of copy, and everybody talks about the headline, how wonderful it is, but one of the things that you need to realize in storytelling or in copywriting is that many people use quotes, which is fine, but you can use dialogue. In that piece of copy, if you read that copy, and it's available, it's public online, you realize there is dialogue. Dialogue is powerful. 
So when you do storytelling, use dialogue. Don't just tell them everything that happened. Use the phrases that someone said or what they said to you. And that makes it more engaging and puts them inside the scene, the situation. And that stirs that emotional connection as well. And then the other thing too is when you write, this is a third tip I wanted to give people, oftentimes the best lines, they're buried. And so one of the tests you can do is when you read your copy, which is a great way to proofread it, is just stand up and read it out loud, is start with the second paragraph. And chances are, probably eight times out of 10, that's your starting paragraph. Because if it's an email campaign, you got to win them at the subject line, you got to win them at the first line inside the email, and you got to win them at the first paragraph. If you don't, you're dead. You're dead in the water. So you want to just read your copy and say, is there somewhere in here that I can start this piece of communication and glance through it? And sure enough, there's a better line further down, maybe in the second or third paragraph where you need to start. So that would be make it really engaging. So the first one is less is more. Make sure every word earns its right to be on that piece of communication. The second is when you're doing storytelling, use dialogue. It's very, very powerful. And the third is check your piece of copy and see if maybe you should start on the second or third, whether it's video, whatever it is that you're writing. If you're doing a first draft, see where is it that I should start? And that's going to most likely be your hook and your premise for what you're trying to communicate to your audience. Yeah, I love that summary. And it's a nice tie into one of the recent episodes with Mary Catherine Johnson, uh, where we talked about chatbots and, you know, it's important to shift from monologue to dialogue that all too often marketing is a person just, you know, shouting out into the ether. It's a monologue one too many and people fail to grasp the concept that ultimately it's when you shift to stories and dialogue that people suddenly feel engaged. So why not start the dialogue already in your copy, whether it's an email or videos so that people feel more engaged and, and follow along and we keep their attention. Now, in terms of specifically, Absolutely. is there a difference when you work, yeah. do you uh, work yeah. mostly, you know, copy in the context of sales pages, in blog posts, emails? Where do you feel is the difference in the copywriting or is it always the same? Now I am, it, when you're writing email campaigns, it depends on what it is. Is it a sales campaign? Is it a welcome series? Are you trying to re-engage an existing list? So again, what is the point of the piece of communication? And then work backwards, so to speak, and then reverse engineer what you need to lead up to that ultimate click or download or registration or purchase or whatever it is you're trying to do. And in a sales page, again, I think story is really important to have that on there. Now, if you're a personal brand and you brand yourself, you know, of course, I think you had this on a previous podcast. It's important to have your origin story or even a product story that's engaging to people. But again, we don't want that high altitude story. We want to just bring it down to the everyday life. And that's where people are going to be able to connect. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it's uh, a good answer for our audience listening. Some of them are thinking, okay, I don't have a business, but I want to be more persuasive in my own life. How can I integrate story and these concepts in there? And then obviously at the level of the entrepreneurship, yeah. what can I do to influence my audience more effectively, get them to care more about my mission, about my what's near and dear to my heart. And so I think you've nicely tied it together that people can see story 
wherever applicable should be integrated, you know, move towards dialogue so that people can really see themselves in that moment. Yeah. And as you said earlier on, use these visceral words that really make it real that you're engaging the senses. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we don't have to overcomplicate the story process either because we use it all the time. If you're a parent, you use stories and you change them based on their age. You don't use the same story that you use when they were three, when they're 16, because it's not going to work, right? Or if you had a room of people and you had an 18-year-old person in the room, you had a 30-year-old businessman, you had a 64-year-old retired man, are you going to speak to them the same about your topic, you're going to tweak it slightly differently. And so we do it all the time. So we don't have to overcomplicate the process. We're trying to see how can I do this to resonate with them? One of the great ways too, like you said, swapping out, when you're doing your market research, be very inquisitive. Any opportunity you have to talk to someone is very, very helpful. But you can also see there's a book on practically every topic. You can go to Amazon, look at the reviews and see what are people saying about that book? And see what kind of words they're using. What was their problem or what was something that they loved or where is the gap? Maybe you can write about something that you found the gap. And so those type of things are very helpful. It's always helpful to do keyword searches. I look at industry competitors. I look at market research. I look at various things when I write a sales page for clients. Now I'm doing more teaching. I'm teaching people to write copy. But it's very helpful to have that. And I just keep it on a spreadsheet and I do the same thing. When I write the copy, then I go back to it and I swap out words for real words that real people have said. And I tweak it and I put it in the copy. Yeah. And this is why I believe for anybody that's doing sales calls, even if the person doesn't enroll, it's always an opportunity to listen and ask insightful questions to almost transcribe what they said. A one hour conversation can really improve your copy in all areas of your business because you now have real world language that people use. And I think all too often we're going into this conversation with the mindset, I want to enroll this person, but ultimately if your mission is to serve more people, it's better to just listen and, and sit with the copy and ask them questions and be inquisitive so that we learn what's really near and dear to them hard, which then obviously makes any future sales calls so much more effective. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Now you have a special resource on your website specifically regarding objections. So why don't we talk about objections a little bit and uh, where people can download the guide? Yeah, this resource is like a checklist and it has a visual and also a checklist, a PDF that you can literally check off when you write a piece of communication. And it deals with four different personalities. So the person that maybe has the objection, prove it. You want to make sure you have certain pieces of copy added. So it lists the copies or the pieces of copy that you need when someone's sitting there maybe with their arms crossed saying, prove it to me. Or if the person is saying, oh, am I going to get enough help, enough customer support, that person is a little nervous, then it lists there, have you included this in your copy? And so for that person that's kind of like, eh, lukewarm, they don't know, eh, maybe later, it has a list of things that you should add in your copy for that. So it's looking at the various personalities and making sure that you have those critical pieces inside your copy to satisfy, not only have the emotional connection, but to satisfy the questions or the objections that they have in, going on in their head. So I think that'll be helpful for you. It's something you can reuse over and over again. Oh, I love that. Um, obviously for us focusing on so many healers and integrative and functional medicine doctors, 
you know, I always focus on what are the objections that come up and the better I know it, the better I can help them. I know that's the same for you as a copywriter working with individuals and, and professionals that the more you've done it, obviously you can already apply this to the copy that you're writing. Really loved all the nuggets that you've shared. Marissa, is there anything else that you want to share, you know, as we wrap things up? What do you want to leave people with? Um, I'm just going to say that whatever it is that you have to offer someone, it is, is solving a problem. It is meeting a need. And that is very important. There's a lot of hurting people all over the world. And if we can alleviate some of that pain with our products, with our services, no matter what it is that we do, then let's try to do better communicating that to them so that we can help them. Because we have such a wonderful ability with the internet to reach any part of the world. I mean, that is really, truly a gift. And I don't take that lightly. And I think we have the potential to create change. People think it's idealistic or it's not possible. But you know what? If you can change someone's life, one person today, wouldn't that make it worth it? And we can compound that by being able to be more strategic in the way we communicate. And of course, yes, use technology to be able to leverage that, but put communication, relationships, heart-to-heart -heart marketing, empathetic marketing at the forefront. Well, you know, this is essentially the mission statement for this podcast. So you essentially verbalized it way better than I could, but after all, you're a copywriter. So thank you for that. For those of you listening, thanks for staying on and we'll see you next week. I trust this episode was inspiring and that you'll join me for a new episode each and every week. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you are listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iselo. See you next week. Music